0: Welcome to Where You Are, a podcast that helps families and their children promote their mental health and wellness. We navigate a range of topics to meet you where you are in your journey. I'm Michelle Horn.
1: And I'm Shar Black. This podcast is brought to you by BC Children's Kelty Mental Health Resource Center. We're a hub for mental health and substance use information, resources, and peer support for families across BC. Today, we're discussing social emotional learning. It's often referred to as
0: SEL. Here with us to unpack this are Gail Markin and Dr. Kimberly schonert reichel Gail Markin is a middle school counselor and a district teacher supporting social and emotional learning. She is a parent to two grown children and used SEL strategies she learned in the classroom with her kids as they were growing up. She is passionate about parents understanding social and emotional learning because she knows what research says about the impact it can have on health, happiness, and success for all.
1: And Dr. Kim schonert reichel is an applied developmental psychologist and a professor at UBC. doctor schonert Shonat-Reichel is known as a world-renowned expert in the area of SEL and loves promoting its importance and value for children and youth.
0: So Gail, doctor schonert Shonat-Reichel, thanks so much for being on the podcast today.
2: Thank you.
3: It's a pleasure. Thanks for having us here.
0: We've been starting each of our podcasts with a short mindfulness moment, just to calm our bodies and minds. And so for this one, we're just going to be listening to the sound of a chime, basically, until we can't hear the chime anymore. So just focusing on that sound. All right. Gail, I'd like to start with you.
3: Can you explain in plain language what social emotional learning is? It's about paying attention to your emotional experiences and your connection with other people. It's about um, being self-aware and talking about feelings and uh, thinking about that for other people as well and connecting We use across the province and in many of our school districts, and as a reference, the uh, castle wheel. What we're talking about when I I reference the wheel is that there's just, there's different components on there. And a couple of them are focused on yourself. So self-awareness, being aware of your own emotional experiences, what you're feeling, having the vocabulary, um, knowing where those feelings come up in your body, those kinds of things, Um, self-regulation, being able to uh, manage those feelings so focusing on yourself um, and your own awareness and then the second part it's, it's really important to be able to notice when other another person is is feeling a certain way so I'll say to the kids for instance and they love this right <laughs> what does it look like when your teacher's upset or your one of your parents is upset and they all know and they know what that looks like um, so why would it be important for you to notice that is it a good time to go and ask if you can go outside? You know, like, maybe not. (laughs) And then there are the things to do with working together. So relationship, so noticing and caring about how we handle relationships with each other. Moving to the next layer of that is is around um, putting those components together. So when I am aware of my own self, and I'm aware of other people and my relationship with them, how do I make decisions based on you know, past experience, what's worked well for other people, what's worked well together.
2: There's been extensive research over the past decade in particular about the link between social and emotional learning or SEL and well-being. A lot of people, when you talk about mental health, they think of mental illness. They think of depression and anxiety um, and a number of factors, but there's also mental health Uh, positive mental health, which means both having a sense of well-being, optimism, happiness, and those things. Uh,
0: Gail, uh, Dr. Shonat-Reichel has just mentioned a number of different benefits of SEL that have been found in the research. I'm curious uh, what benefits of SEL you've seen both within your own family as well as within the schools that you work with.
3: Oh wow, I mean, that could be a huge answer. <laughs> well. I mean, my kids are adults now, um, but having worked in this field for so long and being able to talk to them about this kind of stuff, I, I was um, thinking about a story the other day um, with my son. I remember one time where I was in the kitchen and he was, um, you know, that age where. Well, you guys do because you have kids, young kids, where they're right on you, right? They're clawing at your leg and they're trying to get your attention. And he was there with me and I was cooking and I was hurrying and I was grabbing at things and all of the things. I pulled out. I have one of those drawers that is full of junk, right? And I pulled it out and it fell all over the floor. and. He turned up to me and he said, he could probably tell, he said, mommy, are you frustrated? And I said, no, I'm not frustrated. I'm just trying to get all of this stuff done. And then I looked down at him and I saw the look on his face that was so confused, right? I don't get it. You've taught me about feelings (laughs) and all those wonderful things. And now you're saying the opposite of that. So I had to stop and pay attention to the fact that I was frustrated. And I guess for me the impact on that for me (laughs) to notice how I'm feeling and to be able to say, yeah, actually I am. So I'm going to just take this moment and be okay with that and move on from there. But also for him, because what he learned there was first of all, it's okay to be frustrated. (laughs) Second of all, um, we don't have to pretend that we're not and there's no problem so big. We can't solve it. Um, So that's what we did. And now as I watch them sort of grow up I can see that those things have helped. They are able to do that kind of thing, that self-awareness part. Uh, the other thing is when you go into a school where kids have learnt these skills, you can tell right away. <laughs> um, where kids are able to acknowledge and you know regulate their emotions, it, it becomes a place of um, where they can learn where people can get along with each other. It is not perfect. It was never meant to be. Um, But it is a place where they can have conversation, where they can have feelings and manage those feelings. And uh, like all of the research points to so much more learning. Mm -hmm.
1: Dr. Shona Reichel, I'm wondering if you can expand on that piece.
2: The research is very clear now. um, And in fact, that SEL and teaching these social emotional skills surpasses IQ in predicting school and life success. And some of the best research that's come along linking these was a meta-analysis Basically, researchers take, you know, a number of studies and try and um, look across those together to see if they impact change. And one was conducted in 2011 where they looked at 213 research studies with over 270,000 children, K to 12. They compared those students who had had a social and emotional learning program in their school or classroom to those who had none. Um, and what they found was is that the children who had had a social and emotional learning program had not only had increased uh, social and emotional competence, um, increased uh, kind behaviors in the classroom, decreased aggression, um, as well as decreased emotional distress, um, but they also ha- were more socially and emotionally competent. And the, the real, uh, com- well, one of the big contributions of this research that showed that those students who had social and emotional learning programs also had an increase of school achievement, academic achievement by 11 percentile points. So um, this idea that social and emotional learning in schools and in classrooms not only um, increases your academic achievement, but also your your positive mental health. Was there any comment around the long-term outcomes? Um, So they have done follow-up research. There's a couple of ones, and I'm going to just discuss one by David Hawkins and colleagues who looked at the Seattle Social Development Project, where they looked at children who in elementary school received a program that was a social and emotional learning program about uh, social problem solving and getting along with others. And then they followed these students all the way up till they were 24 and 27. And what they found was remarkable. They found that these students were more likely to go on to post-secondary, had higher economic achievement. They were making more money than kids who did not have the SEL program. They also had uh, fewer incidents of mental health problems. And one of the things I I also like is they found also, this is 15 years later, were more likely to be um, contributing to their community. So, there's a number of programs happening right here in the lower mainland and then across British Columbia as well. One is is a program called Mind Up. Um, It's a program for which I've been doing research. Uh, You actually can go to the um, Mind Up website. Um, Mind Up is a social and emotional learning program that brings in brain breaks. Um, What we know from neuroscience is that your brain needs a break. (laughs) to really focus its attention. And there's lots of research now in terms of talking about our amygdala, which is a stress response part of our brain and our prefrontal cortex. And when we get stressed that even just by taking a couple of simple breaths and being uh, present really helps us uh, monitor our emotions. And once we're uh, more present, when we are mindful, we're more likely to be empathic, uh, more likely to regulate our emotions. Um, And so uh, mind up, which is this basically a program that embeds uh, three times a day brain breaks, begins the program. This is very unique about um, any kind of SEL program. The children first learn neuroscience. Yes, five-year-olds learn neuroscience. They learn about their brain. They learn about their prefrontal cortex and their hippocampus and their amygdala. And there's research now showing that just learning about your brain actually increases your motivation, your academic uh, motivations students who receive the Mind up program not only increase their attention, become kinder, less aggressive, uh, they also achieve higher math grades. And um, in one study, we collected saliva from the students to look at stress physiology, wherein we found that um, students who had the Mind up program at the end of it were less uh, stressed than those students who did not receive the program.
3: Wow, that's huh. amazing research. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will sort of add to that, too, um, in that uh, it's amazing to watch the kids. And how excited they get when they're learning about how their brains work, and what they will often do then is go home and they're they're talking to their parents about their amygdala and their prefrontal cortex. And but it's so important to get that connection uh, between the adults and the kids. And you might you'll help me with this as well, <laughs> Doctor Shona Reichel, because I know that this is one of the things that you've taught me is that that explicit teaching of these skills is so important. But then the other wonderful thing is it's then embedded into what you're doing. So they're actually embedding it into their culture of their school and their homes and their lives, really. Um, And it starts to impact the whole community.
2: It's so funny. When we started the mind up research oh, more than a decade ago, um, and we were going to the students to talk to them, um, their first reaction, and I just remember it was like, finally, you're giving us something in school that's really relevant to our lives that we can take and use other places. And you saw so many of them say, it was almost like like someone showed them this really cool new tool that would improve their life. and uh, And then they started sharing it. So we found that so many of the students who had mind up actually went and taught their parents the mindfulness the brain breaks and they taught their siblings and they would say something like i know when my mom's driving and she gets kind of stressed i just tell her mom you need a brain break right now you need to do some breathing you need to calm down um so i love this idea that you know maybe it's like you know um teaching kids these skills that some of the social emotional learning things that it isn't that parents then have to do it, but the kids come home and they learn together some of these skills. And I think that there's nothing as wonderful as that when you're learning from your children. I was just going to mention something just because it's a resource I don't want to forget to mention. There's a new program that's an app. um, Well, there's several apps on mindfulness, but one for younger children called Mind Yeti. And it's free. And then I think if you want extra things, you have to pay for it. But there's a whole thing that for teachers to use in the classrooms, it's a push and play where they already have all the recorded mindfulness moments. Actually, you guys might want to use it for your podcast sometime. But it also has a whole thing on like going to sleep. So you both have young kids that don't sleep well all the time. Oh, go to to Mind Yeti. Go and see that online and because there's a whole one just on sleep that has a whole process. Excellent. For young kids, it's like uh, probably – I would say probably four to nine is the age range for it.
1: Thanks, Dr. Shonit-Reichel. I wanted to delve into another question around um, if you can speak to some practical ways uh, parents can start teaching SEL strategies in their home.
2: Well, I think I'm going to make it really simple. And there's tons of ways for parents to do. And of course, it varies on the age of your children. You know, with really young children, you really want to focus a lot on emotion identification, emotion recognition to help children to both take the time to read stories about emotions, have them think about how is someone feeling? Why are they feeling that way? How are they feeling? When would they feel that way? helping develop uh, emotional literacy. The second thing I think is really important, and this is something that, in which I've spent my entire career um, investigating, is about the promotion of kindness and empathy. Um, it is something that, uh, we know that empathy, some have identified empathy is one of the most important of all personality characteristics because it's not only what stops you from behaving aggressively, it also is what, what leads you to help others. So really engaging them in activities that benefit others, talking about the good feelings that happen, um, when you, uh, help another person, having the discussion of kindness, a regular part of the Of the conversation in the family you know is that kind behavior what can we do to make someone else's day a happy day by showing kindness and and for parents to talk about how they feel when they see they help someone and how that makes them feel and the benefits just you know there's lots of research showing that kindness boosts your happiness and well-being and helps you live longer have better relationships there's a a number of studies of the science of kindness and and related to this is practicing gratitude. I feel that's a, a really practical uh, strategy for at home. Is the, the thinking about uh, you know it might even be at the end of the day at dinner time or something, having a regular routine of saying let's let's think of something that for t- that happened to us today for which we're really grateful. And I, my last one is um, is not going to be really popular with kids. So if parents <laughs> are hearing this, I don't want them to give their Children, my email address. Um, But anyways, the research is really showing about kindness and how to develop altruism and empathy is not to pay your children for household chores. Yes. The research showing that if kindness is actually where, you know, that's one of the things we're really learning that in some people are arguing that we're born to be kind, born to be good and empathic. And that by paying someone, giving them money kind of undermines that natural inclination to be kind, and so it, it actually then makes it be, it's all about the money that I'm going to get, or otherwise I'm not going to do it. And do I really need $5 to clean up my room? I, I'll just live with a messy room. And to extend this into the classroom, the research is, is, is out there saying that, you know, you should not be rewarding children in the terms of external rewards when they're kind and helpful. It's one of my uh, more controversial recommendations.
1: <laughs> well, I think that's great because I, I was never paid for household chores. So hopefully, I'm a <laughs> yeah. really kind person. So. <laughs> Neither was I. It benefited us,
0: there you go.
3: Yeah. Uh, so, Maybe I can jump in. Yeah, uh, I was just going to uh, ask there. you, Gail, yeah. if
0: you had any comments on any of that or if any of that resonated with you.
3: Yeah, it absolutely all resonated. Um, it's one of the things that I love about social emotional learning in general is when I listen to all of those wonderful strategies, they apply at every single age group. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the things that I think has perhaps happened in um, in the past is that people see social emotional learning and practices as things that we mostly are doing with the younger kids sometimes. And now what I love is that we're it's moving out. And what we we know to be true is that these exact same practices uh, that uh Dr. Shonat-Reichel mentioned are practices that we can do with the little ones, like we really can, but we can also do with the teenagers and the adults and, uh, you know, practicing gratitude and um, being aware of what feelings you're having. Uh the other thing I guess I would add is that, yes, we absolutely have to know where feelings come in our bodies. We have to have a wide vocabulary so we can name them to tame them. Uh, but we also have to, to teach and to be aware of the fact that sometimes we're just, we're just noticing and being curious about it, that we don't have to react to it right away. Um, and then connecting that feeling. Uh, that awareness with our thoughts and our behaviors and how they all kind of work together and impact each other. The joy of it is it goes on forever, that it's not something that we can't... um, that we have to learn in our first six years of life is that, and, and that we do have to keep practicing.
0: I think that's really helpful for parents to hear as well. I know when I was going to school, social emotional learning was not a term that was used. We didn't learn any of these skills mm-hmm. in school. So as parents now, we're kind of learning all of this for the first time and trying to kind of teach our children. So it's kind of helpful to know that everyone can kind of learn these skills at any age. Yes. Yeah.
3: Yeah, really important. Yeah.
0: Gail or Dr. Shonat-Reichel, I'm wondering if either of you wanted to touch on any key resources for parents if they're just starting to learn about SEL for the first time. So Dr. Shonat-Reichel, I know you mentioned Mind Yeti, the free app. Were there any other kind of key resources that you would suggest?
2: Yeah, there's a few. I'm going to say, um, let's see, maybe give four, and I don't know if you'll make links on the website. We can do that. Yes, so, for sure. So one is um, Castle, the Collaborative for Academic Social Emotional Learning, has a whole parent resource section of names, titles of books and activities and resources. So on the Castle website, there's specifically a section for parents. There's also a really great website that has a lot of information on social emotional learning plus some information for parents, and that's on something called Edutopia. Um, E-D-U-T-O-P-I-A, Edutopia. It's the George Lucas Educational Foundation. If anyone's ever heard of George Lucas, yes, it's the Star Wars guy. There's also the Dalai Lama Center for Peace and Education in Vancouver has a wonderful resource center called Heart Mind Online, just like that Heart Mind Online with a special specific portal just for parents with activities and lessons, plus all of the research supporting it, as well as another one. And then just a more general one about children's social and emotional development. as organized by NBC, NBC has a parent toolkit page well i know there's a number of other resources and maybe gail can jump
3: in i guess the one that's popping into my head right now and maybe it's because i'm listening to you speak but uh, ubc has a social emotional learning resource finder where you can go on and connect to many of these other resources great um and gail and dr shonit reichel uh, any final
1: thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd like to share with our listeners today
2: I wanna just say well, I have two boys, Gray, who is nineteen, and Griffin who's twenty two. And, you know, I think about them having been through childhood and adolescence, and that adolescence is a is a tricky period, you know. It's a time when we see increased emotional distress and anxiety often. We see increased problem behaviors and as well. Not among all, so I don't wanna say it's it's not expected, you know, and but I think sometimes we don't give adolescents enough opportunities to to be Socially and emotionally capable to have those skills, we kind of think that they're we sort of assume that they don't have them or they're not able and, and we did a study a, a few years ago um, looking at volunteering in adolescence where we gave adolescents um, at one high school inner city high school where half of them went and volunteered one day a week um, with little kids in the after school programs and the other group did not do that just to see what were the health benefits of volunteering. And what we found was fascinating, those students who did the volunteering one day a week for an hour and a half, increased in empathy, had the best um, benefits to their health. And, and for me, what it, what it means, if you sort of take the moral of the story, is that we gave those adolescents an opportunity to develop a sense of purpose and action. I think it really benefited their well-being. Any
3: final thoughts from you, Gil? I often will ask this question when I'm working with parents and the, the question is just a really general, what is it we want from our kids? And the answers are always the same. And the answers are the things that um, social emotional learning gives us, right? We want them to be happy. We want them to be successful. We want them to have good relationships. And, and when you think about that, this is the this is this stuff. <laughs> this is how we get there and it's 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 not uh complicated. So I guess it's that you know not to worry about it, not to, you know, stress about it, to just sort of lean into it and learn about it and practice it. And you will not be perfect. Um, Thank goodness we don't have to be perfect with it. Um, But that's okay. Our kids won't either. So as long as you're talking about it, and you're open to it, I think that's the key.
0: Thank you so much for those final words of wisdom, Gail and doctor Shoner Shonat-Reichel. And thanks to you both so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you. was a pleasure. Thank you. It's us. Wow. Yeah.
1: You can visit our website, keltymentalhealth.ca, for any of our social emotional learning resources, including any of the ones mentioned by Gail and Dr. Shonat-Reichel.
0: Do you have any questions or comments? Feel free to email us at keltycenter at cw.bc.ca.
1: For each month's episode of Where You Are, go to keltymentalhealth.ca slash podcast and hit subscribe.
0: Catch us wherever you listen to podcasts. We hope you'll make us a go-to resource to promote your family's mental health and wellness from where you are to where you want to be.